Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show tonight. I am your host, Doris Hansen, and we're just grateful that you have tuned us in tonight. We hope you enjoy the program that we have. Before we get started, however, I'd like to mention that uh, from time to time we'll bring up that there is a Utah County ex-Mormon support group that takes place normally on a monthly basis, and we often announce their upcoming meetings. Tonight we have invited the mover and the shaker of that Utah County support group to come and to announce their next meeting and chat for a couple of minutes about the support group that they uh, host. I'd like to so introduce uh, Lewis Wilkins. He's from the First Baptist Church in Provo, and he answers some questions, and he can tell us a little bit more about that support group in Utah County. So, Lewis Wilson, uh, Wilkins, I would like to thank you for coming and for sharing and uh, wanting to share what's going on with the support group down in Provo. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, we uh, meet every third Tuesday at uh, First Baptist Church at Provo. It's uh, 1144 West Columbia Lane in Provo. Yeah. You meet the every third every third Tuesday, third Tuesday of each month. Of each month. Third right, Tuesday of each correct. month. Yeah. At the yeah. First Baptist right. Church yeah. in Provo. How long have you been um, doing About, the support group? Uh, since nineteen ninety five our previous pastor, Rhett Durfee, he's uh, started it and figured we needed to have a support group for people to come to and so he asked me to start it up and direct it. So wow. here we are. So and you've been doing uh, it. We've been doing it for some time. So I want to bring them to the loving relationship of Jesus Christ, the true Jesus of the Bible. Uh, Mormons claim that they're Christian. Well, I, we, we don't think they are because they don't meet the qualifications for the Bible. From, the, from what the Bible calls the Bible, Christian. They call Jesus Christ of the Bible, right. So yeah. who's invited to your group? Anybody that wants to come, particularly those investigating, or leaving Mormonism, you know, if they're investigating, they want to truly not have the answers. We're not there for a debate contest, make a point, uh, you know, or win an argument. Yeah, yeah. If they're interested in what uh, what we have to say, if they're they're truly in searching yeah. why they were there for them for. Jesus Christ, that's who we're there for. Right. Well, we have a, a also, a, we call it Life After Polygamy uh, discussion group for, right. for those who come exactly. out of polygamy. And we're not there to argue. We don't mm -hmm. argue. In fact, mm -hmm. I don't think out of all of the, we've been doing this now for about four years, and I don't think there's ever been an argument in our group. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't happen. Well, we've had a few Mormons come and test us a couple well, of times. Well, <laughs> yeah. You know, they, uh, <laughs> with the rhetoric and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, we... Yeah. What, uh, what do you do in the meetings? What? We, we uh, well, we've put some of your episodes on. Oh, and, my. Yes, and we've put <laughs> Living Hope, you know, those the, the, those videos that they've put out there. Mm -hmm. and we even used some of them, the Heart of the Matter episodes on there. And uh, So you just uh, kind of inform the right. people who come the different biblical aspects right. of yeah. Christianity versus Mormonism? that and Mormonism. That's what we deal with. Yeah. And so your next meeting is... The 19th, it'll be next Tuesday and the 19th at 6 p.m. So if you'd like some more information. or And, it, it and there it is like on the, the screen. Right. It's Tuesday okay. the 19th, 6 p.m. Right. And your the, your email is way61hotmail.com. Correct. And your phone number 801 225 
0587. And you're going to show the DVD, Honest Questions for LDS. Right, yeah, this is part of a Lankenberg series that they had on, and uh, uh, we've shown Sandra Tanner, the great mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Lady had spent a lifetime, you know. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, she knows I, I everything there is to know and then her, some. Yeah. So how long do they last on Tuesday nights? How about a, about an hour, but, you know, if, you, if we get somebody investigating or, or uh, uh, wants to talk and learn more about Jesus Christ, we'll spend all night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's that important. And, and you know, have, yeah. Would you say that you've had some um, success stories? If yes, there was one lady that came out, uh, you know, uh, she was investigating, and so we... Uh, I talked to her and finally she took her names off the center. Uh, took her sent in a letter to have her name took off the roll. They tried to give her a little bit of static, or really they sent her this registered letter because her ex-husband wanted to get a temple divorce. So the LDS church sent her this registered letter. So she calls me up, asks what to do with it. I said, put it in the garbage. You know, we could have maybe one of these uh, meetings for. Maybe Thomas S. Monson about being a false prophet. Maybe we could invite him and call a registered letter, and we'll have a chat with him. You yeah. Know, about being well, a false we, we wonder if that would work. I don't know. <laughs> not not <laughs> so, likely. So there's these type of things that you run into. They think that they're arrogant, that they have you know this power over people, and they don't. Jesus they don't Christ. Have, yeah. Jesus they, Christ is the one that. Uh, there's no the, spiritual power. Only no. if they let them. Only if they but let them. But biblically, exactly. there's no authoritative no. power that they have over no. them at all. And, well, thank you so much. We appreciate your being here and sharing that. And we'll continue to announce your, your monthly meetings as, uh, every okay. month for our mm -hmm. viewers to come down. Praise God for you. Well, we thank you very that. much. Thanks. Right. Okay. okay. Talk to you later. All right. Okay. So, and again, we, <clears throat> we do have an, uh, a support group. Uh, called Life After Polygamy that we um, have for those who come out of polygamy group, for anybody whose life has been touched by polygamy in some way. And we urge people, if you're coming out of the Mormon church, you're coming out of a polygamy group, to meet up with people who uh, are experiencing uh, maybe what you are experiencing or they have experienced it and they can help you. It can be very encouraging and it'll be very helpful to you as well. You know, in the past we've discussed... Um, on our show from time to time what we call myths about Mormon polygamy, why it was practiced, and other tall tales that have been told by the Mormons of why polygamy was practiced. Now these myths have come from various sources. Some come, have come from LDS church authorities, officials who know better, others maybe from seminary teachers who also know better, some from LDS missionaries who should know better, and there are some from ordinary people who never take the time to prove what they hear, they just believe it if it is uh, faith building. Polygamists, however, know exactly what Joseph Smith preached about the doctrine of plural marriage. And we do challenge the LDS Church to be as honest with their explanations of polygamy as the polygamists are. And we challenge both polygamists and Mormons to renounce polygamy as ever being a commandment from God and as being necessary for anyone's eternal life. So we're going to discuss those myths tonight and we'll start with myth number one. The first myth we want to talk about is that the purpose for polygamy was to provide economically for widows and orphans. Many women lost their husbands during their pilgrimage west and they needed a man to provide for them and their children. Some versions of this myth even go so far as to say that the men never had intimate relations with their plural wives. 
Well, the reality of that myth is that there is no historical evidence to support this myth at all. There certainly were um, deaths on their trips west, but the men and the women and the children and babies, both boys and girls alike, suffered and died during their migration west. It wasn't just the men who died. Of course, we do know that Joseph Smith left behind 34 widows. Brigham Young married some of Smith's widows, and so did Heber C. Kimball. But marrying widows is not why Mormons partook of spiritual wifery. But even if this myth was true, why does a man have to marry the woman in order to provide for her needs, especially if he's not going to sleep with her? Why not just provide the needs of the orphans and the widows and let the women remain single so that if she has the opportunity to get her own husband, she can do so. Finally, according to section 132 of the Doctrine and Covenants, which is the revelation on polygamy, and Jacob chapter 2 verse 30 in the Book of Mormon, the purpose for polygamy was to have children. Benevolence had absolutely nothing to do with the command to have plural wives. The reason for polygamy, according to Mormon scripture, was not a welfare system. It was not to teach people how to be Christ-like, but was strictly for sexual activity because sex was the only way to make babies. Myth number two. <clears throat> Excuse me. The second myth is that there were more women than men and the women needed husbands. Now this is kind of a cousin to the first one that we just talked about, but census figures are available to anyone who is responsible enough to look them up. They're easy to find, yet people who should know better continue to use this myth as an excuse for early Mormon polygamy. I just heard someone from from uh, the, the, the LDS Church say that a few weeks ago, that there were more men than women. Well, that's not true. There were consistently more males than females in Utah, according to the U.S. Census. And these figures are available at the Utah Historical Society in the population statistics in their library. In 1850, there were seven, 712 more males than females in the Utah Territory. In 1860, there were 237 more males than females. In 1870, there were 1,456 more males. In 1890, there were, uh, or 1880, excuse me, 6,055 more males. In 1890, there was 13,171 more males. And in 1900, there was 6,625 more males than females. And the figures don't lie. The census was correct. There were never more females than males in the Utah Territory. Don't just believe what you're told. Check it out. In fact, if you do, you'll be rather shocked to discover how many myths you've actually been told. Myth number three. Polygamy was only for a short period of time, and that time has passed. Well, the reality here is, we have to ask a question here first, why? Why polygamy and why for only a short period of time? If it was only for a short period of time, why did Joseph Smith say it was an everlasting covenant? The word everlasting means forever and forever and forever and forever into infinity. It does not mean temporary or for a short time. Why did Joseph Smith, Brigham Young, and countless others preach that the Mormons would never give it up and they must practice it or be damned? Why would only some be damned for only a short period of time and not the others? Didn't God say he doesn't change? 
And if, if it was only for a short period of time, then why were the Mormons forced by the federal government to give up polygamy? Okay, myth number four. It hasn't been fully proven that Joseph Smith practiced polygamy. Women were sealed to him, but it was after his death, and any sealings done while he was alive were for eternity only. There was no sexual activity by Joseph Smith with his plural wives. Well, why have a law of polygamy here if you don't live polygamy here? In Sacred Loneliness is a book which was written by uh, Todd Compton, who is a Mormon author and historian. And he chronicles in this book the many wives of Joseph Smith. He has all the footnotes, he has all the evidences, he has the journal entries that were made by those who were there and who lived polygamy. Joseph Smith did practice polygamy. There is an undisputed, documented total of 33 wives besides Emma. Some scholars have discovered and maintained that there were many more than 34 wives, but there are for sure 34. Eleven of his wives were already married to living husbands. That is documented. Several of Joseph Smith's plural wives were teenagers. Two of them were only 14 years old. And a 14-year-old then is equal to a 9-year-old today. We have the evidence. There's no doubt about this. Conjugal relations did take place. Journals and testimonies from several of his wives admitted that Joseph Smith shared their beds and their bodies. In Sacred Loneliness, pages 12 through 14 documents several statements from people who confirm both uh, sexual relations and possible children born to Smith's plural wives. Todd Compton quotes in his book that Joseph Smith taught that, and I quote, the whole object and end of matrimony was the procreation of our species. So if that was Joseph Smith's policy, then certainly he did his part or tried. Myth number five. The polygamous men had wonderful relationship with all their children. They had peaceful homes with their polygamous wives. The plural wives preferred plural marriages. They wanted to share their husbands. The polygamous families were close and affectionate. The reality of this myth, although we don't deny that there were homes, that polygamous homes at, during that time, that could possibly have been happy enough to fit this description, but most of the women were threatened with hell and damnation if they didn't practice polygamy. Most of them hated polygamy. They were taught that only polygamists could be exalted, that women were warned that only godly polygamist priesthood men could exalt them and bring them through the resurrection. Although perhaps not physically forced into polygamy, women were mentally, emotionally, and spiritually driven into the polygamous marriages. Joseph Smith threatened Emma with destruction if she didn't allow him to have his plural wives. Likewise, threats of destruction were used in early Mormon polygamy with other women and is still used in polygamy groups today. According to personal diaries, early Mormon polygamous homes were contentious and stressful and competitive, filled with jealousies and favoritism. Plural wives were often lonely and love-starved. 
Some threatened suicide as an only way out, and some actually followed through and killed themselves. History uh, does also records that there were women who went insane as a result of their dreadful treatment in polygamy. A polygamist woman named Fanny Stenhouse in those, at that, during that time wrote a book entitled Tell It All. It was published in 1875, and she relates in that book that the, a deplorable story of one of Orson Pratt's wives who was starved to death. That Mormon apostle, Orson Pratt, a supposed man of God, actually neglected her and her three children, and one was only an infant, barely six weeks old. And to blame polygamy and this kind of cruelty on God is a sick form of blasphemy. Myth number six. It was always the woman's choice whether her husband took a plural wife. She was free to insist that she marry a man that would not practice polygamy. The woman always had the final say whether her husband took a plural wife. The reality to this is, according to the law of Sarah and in Doctrine and Covenants 132, verses 64 and 65, the first wife had the opportunity to agree to or refuse her husband's polygamous marriages. But if she refused her permission, he was exempt from requiring her permission and could go ahead and marry the plural wife or wives anyway. The wife who withheld her permission became the sinner. And of course, this is a classic catch-22. In reality, women did not have the final say. She was threatened into giving her permission. Also, historical accounts indicate that men would take a plural wife with or, with or without the first wife's consent. Sometimes she wouldn't even have the advanced knowledge of a new sister wife. Nor was it unusual for a man to take several women as plural wives at the same time and on the same day. Myth number seven. Only a few men, only those who had a calling from a church authority, practiced polygamy. It was lived by only two to five percent of the Mormons and was generally only for the leaders of the church, not necessarily for the lay members. The reality of this myth is, even if this were true, and it isn't true, but even if it were true, it is in opposition to the biblical requirements for someone who's in church leadership. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago on the show. The New Testament requires that the church leaders have but one wife. 1 Timothy 3.2 says a bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife. 1 Timothy 3.12, let the deacons be the husbands of one wife. And Titus 1.6, the bishops were to be the husband of one wife. God commanded monogamy. And to claim that only the leaders lived polygamy is self-incriminating because the leaders were not to have more than one wife. And if they did, they weren't supposed to serve in church leadership. In the Old Testament times, God instructed the kings of Israel not to have multiple wives. Deuteronomy 17, 17 says, Neither shall he multiply wives to himself, that his heart turn not away. Now the wording here doesn't mean that he can have some wives. It means that he can't go beyond what God had already instituted marriage to be, and that was monogamy. 
the original Mormon church criticized monogamy and declared polygamy as the only marriage system in heaven, even though Jesus said there would be no marriages in heaven. Early Mormon church leaders condemned monogamy as an evil system, yet it was God who instituted monogamy. Only 2 to 5% of the men lived polygamy? Well, I'd like you to listen to a quote from Ann Eliza Young. She was a plural wife of Brigham Young. She was there. She knew what was going on. And I want to quote from her book, Wife Number 19. She said, Marrying and giving in marriage was carried on to such an extent that the ceremony of sealing was literally going on day and night. The man who refuses to enter polygamy will be eternally damned, announced Brigham Young from the tabernacle. Polygamy was preached from the platform and taught by the ward teachers in private. It was not only advised, it was commanded. There was not a family in the territory at that time which was not increased by a plurality of wives. Men married in the most reckless fashion with nothing in the world on which to support their families, end quote. Since Mormonism taught that polygamy was a requirement for salvation, multitudes of people practiced it in order to reach exaltation. Myth number eight. Jesus himself lived polygamy. He married Mary and Martha. The marriage in Cana in John chapter 2 was Jesus' wedding. God the Father is a polygamist and one of his wives is our Heavenly Mother. And next week we're going to be talking about the Heavenly Mother, so you might want to tune in for that show. But the reality for this myth is the reason Jesus came. He came, uh, Luke 19.10 says, He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And in 1 John 3.8 it says that the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Jesus didn't come to get married. He didn't come to live polygamy. And the claim that the marriage at Cana was one of his polygamous marriages was made by biblically illiterate people. Jesus and his disciples were invited to that marriage celebration. One doesn't get invited to their own wedding. Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life under the Old Testament law. He never broke the law. He was perfect in every single way. Jesus is King of Kings. In Deuteronomy 17, 17, we already read that God commanded the king not to have multiple wives. Since Jesus is king of kings, he couldn't possibly have lived polygamy in disobedience to the law. He couldn't have broken any law and still be our savior. As for God the Father being a polygamist, God is a spirit, John 4.24, and a spirit does not have flesh and bones, Luke 24.39. And how does a spirit live polygamy and have babies? It's always been the practice of the Mormon faith to bring God down to the level of sinful man and to bring Jesus down to the level of the devil by claiming they are brothers. Myth number nine. Only the righteous live polygamy, meaning the most righteous Mormons. Polygamy is righteous and holy and requires love and compassion. Well, I would certainly debate anybody about polygamy being righteous and holy, would you consider John D. Lee as being righteous and holy? He was executed because of the Mountain Meadows Massacre, and he had 18 wives. 
Some of them give them to him by Brigham Young. What about Brigham Young's hired assassin, Wild Bill Hickman? He married ten plural wives. Those and other violent men lived polygamy under the blessings of Joseph Smith and Brigham Young and others. But even if polygamy was a celestial law, the Bible teaches that keeping the law does not make one righteous before God. Isaiah 64, 6 says, All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. No one will get into heaven based on their personal righteousness. They are filthy rags to God. Galatians 2.16 says, Know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law. Because by observing the law, no one will be justified. So even if plural marriage was God's law, no one could become righteous through polygamy because we are not justified by the works of the law, but by faith alone. And remember, your faith is only as good and as valuable as the object of your faith. So if your faith is in polygamy, you don't have a very valuable faith. If it's in any man or any prophet, you don't have a valuable faith. It must be in Jesus Christ and him alone. Myth number 10, polygamy is a higher law. Only if you are very close to God could you understand it. A polygamist had to put aside jealousy and personal wishes and be completely worthy in order to live this higher law. Well, this is kind of a, an interesting myth, and it goes like this. The higher law of polygamy was included in the original list of Ten Commandments given to Moses for the Israelites. But when the Israelites became involved in their idolatry and revelry, Moses threw the stone Ten Commandments to the ground, breaking them to pieces. Because of this sin, the Israelites lost the privilege to live this higher law of polygamy. The story goes that when Moses went back upon Mount Sinai to get the, the Ten Commandments the second time, God refused to give them this higher law of polygamy because they had proved that they weren't worthy of it. However... In Exodus chapter 34, verses 1 and 28, in Deuteronomy 5:22, chapter 10, verse 1 and verse 4, we find that God wrote on the second set of stones the same words that he had written on the first set. Ten commandments were given the first time, and the identical ten commandments were given the second time. Polygamists love to use Abraham and Jacob as examples that God's people practice polygamy with his blessing. But if that were true, Moses, who lived 450 years after Abraham, would already have had that so-called higher law called plural marriage. This myth has serious problems, both historically and biblically. And you know what? The Bible always can refute the stories and myths that people make up. Proverbs chapter 30 verses 5 and 6 says, Every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. Do not add to His words or He will rebuke you and prove you're a liar. 
So I would suggest that you don't say, Thus saith the Lord, when the Lord doesn't say. Myth number 11. Those who don't or can't accept polygamy cannot go to heaven. They have something seriously wrong with them. The reality with this is that sometimes it's not the person who has something wrong with them, but it's the unacceptable doctrine. The myth, this myth makes polygamy into being the Savior. Where did Jesus teach that polygamy was required for salvation? And if he's the Savior, he would be the one to know what saves us. He would be the one to know who saves us and how we're saved. And since he didn't tell us polygamy was required, scrap it. They appropriate the ugly threat of losing salvation if polygamy isn't accepted. And this was a powerful uh, early Mormon coercion, and it continues to be a present-day strategy with polygamy groups, which is designed to instill obedience through fear in their members. Myth number 12. Polygamy will be reestablished and practiced in the millennium and in the celestial kingdom. There will be more women than men during the millennium, so the Mormon man will have to step up to the plate and marry multiple women to give them celestial glory. Well, how can there be more women in the celestial kingdom if women must be married to be exalted? This myth places husbands in the category of being saviors of their wives. And when did God give savior title and status to mere men? Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says, There is none other name given among men under heaven by which we must be saved, and that name is Christ Jesus. He alone is the savior. A woman's husband cannot save her. He cannot contribute in any way to her salvation. Isaiah 43, 11 says, I, even I am the Lord, and there is no Savior besides me. A woman cannot earn celestial status by being married. It is the Lord Jesus who is the Savior, not her husband. And furthermore, how does anyone know if there will be more females than males during the millennium or in heaven? How can polygamy be practiced in heaven if most of the men didn't have more than one wife down here? How can polygamy be practiced in heaven when there will be no marriages in heaven? And there won't be because Jesus said there wouldn't be. Myth number 13. Only the ugly women were taken as polygamist wives because there would be the only way that they could ever get married and a person must be married to be exalted. Well, we don't find that in section 132 or in any other preaching and teaching about polygamy by early Mormon or present-day polygamist preachers. It's sad for the female gender to be treated and to be discussed in such a horrible and demeaning fashion. What about the ugly men? Were they also cast aside and not eligible for a real marriage? Who gets to choose who? I'm so thankful that God looks at the heart and not at the face. Someone called into the show a couple of weeks ago and told us about something that Glenn Beck has said about uh, a myth, or, or it, it is a myth, but it was a reason he said that early Mormons practiced polygamy, something I had not heard before, so I checked it out and did find evidence that this indeed is another myth used for early Mormon polygamy, and this is myth number 14. 
A small number of Mormons practiced polygamy so they could take care of the widows of the Mormon men who died or were lynched during the Civil War for being abolitionists against slavery. Well, again, we have to say, <clears throat> is that why Joseph Smith married 14-year-old girls? Were, were there that many 14-year-old widows in those days? Again, why can't they just help these poor widows without a payback? Why force them into their beds in order to help them? If benevolence for widows is the excuse for Mormon polygamy, why did so many polygamist wives and children go hungry and live in horrendous poverty? Why were most of the polygamist women forced to support themselves and their children? Remember Orson Pratt? One of his polygamous wives starved to death because he didn't provide for the needs of her and her family. If the men married these women to support them, why didn't they support them? Why were they required to support themselves? And myth number 15, polygamy is biblical because Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Boaz, David, and Solomon had multiple wives. After all, polygamy is in the Bible. Well, that's a stupid reason. Slavery is also in the Bible. So is rape and murder and incest and lying and stealing and idol worship and blasphemy and disobedience and torture. The Bible records the sinfulness of sinful man proving our great need for a savior. The Bible honestly records certain behaviors of humanity, but that doesn't indicate that God approved nor that he commanded such behavior. And as for the record, Isaac, Moses, and Boaz are not recorded in the Bible as being polygamous. And I'm tired of hearing people say they were because they were not. Now, we're going to put these on our website, on our, uh, on our television show, Wed Fight, for, for further review. If you would like to go there, uh, give us a few days to get it up there. The Myths of Early Mormon Polygamy, it will be whatloveisthis.tv slash TV show notes. And, of course, this is just more proof that before we believe what we're told, we need to prove it. The truth about early Mormon polygamy is not difficult to find out. It's not hard to discover it. But just like Jesus said, the blind lead the blind and they'll all fall into the pit. We pray that you aren't among those who believe it just because your blind leader said it, but that you'll check these things out for yourselves. God didn't command polygamy when there was no one on the planet except Adam and Eve, or after the flood when only Noah and his family survived, proving that population increase takes place rather sufficiently without the need of polygamy. Besides that, one man with five wives cannot have more children than five men each having one wife each. And the birth ratio remains constant and is almost equally male and female with a slight difference on the side of male babies. Polygamy was never needed, uh, needed for any reason and if God did command polygamy he would certainly have caused more female births uh, to be born by uh, to supply the gender requirements to sustain polygamy if that had been his will and he didn't do that. We're going to open up the telephone lines now. Our phone number is 801-973-8820. That's 973-TV20. Before we go to our message, I would like to apologize. Uh, during our telephone call time last week, it appeared that I had disconnected two or three people.
I didn't disconnect them, but I did place them on hold, and then when I went back on the hold button to retrieve the call, the person had hung up. One of the persons was a, a nice lady who called in, um, but she did not turn her TV volume down, and the feedback from her phone call was horrible, so I put it on hold so we could answer her question. The others I put on hold because they were not allowing a two-way conversation. We placed their calls on hold because we wanted to answer or make a remark about their questions, but they wouldn't allow us to do so. We're sorry to cause distress to our callers, but the standard requirement for any uh, telephone call-in program is that you must turn down your TV volume. But it seems like our viewers uh, frequently don't do that. We're, and so we will continue to place our callers on hold if you don't allow a two-way conversation or if you don't turn your TV volume down. So we will open our phone call lines right now. Please call in. We'd love to hear from you, uh, have some feedback from what we discussed tonight or anything about polygamy. And we would like to take a break and show you our ministry message. You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This? Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of A Shield and Refuge Ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at You are welcome to join us in our monthly support group, Life After Polygamy, where you can meet others like yourself who are searching for answers about polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism. We meet monthly in the Salt Lake City area. For more details about time and place, call us toll-free at 877 425-9993 or email us at tv at aboutpolygamy.com We want you to know that we have made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website www.whatloveisthis.tv There you will find the DVD Lifting the Veil of Polygamy which documents the real life stories told firsthand of those who were lifted out of the culture of polygamy through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Also, free of charge to you is the booklet, Is Polygamy Biblical? It explores plural marriage in the context of God's Word and answers questions like, Did God ever command polygamy? Is it part of God's plan? While you are at our website, make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. There are more than 100 shows to choose from. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. Simply follow the links to the live streaming video page. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hansen. 
Welcome back to our show. We're grateful that you have chosen to share some of your evening with us. We've been talking tonight about uh, the myths that surrounds early Mormon polygamy, some of the stories that are told of why it was practiced, and other myths about polygamy. Um, and we would love to hear from you what maybe is a myth that you've heard that we didn't talk about tonight, or some additional information about one of the myths we have talked about. Um, also, we would like to mention again the, the uh, Utah County Support Group. We had Lewis Wilkins on a little earlier, and he was talking about the support group that meets the third Tuesday of each month uh, in the Provo area. And um, we can give you the information about that again if you want to call in and ask for it. I'd like to read an email that we received from a viewer I thought was, the, was worthy to share with our viewers. He said, I watched your show one night a while back and all you do is knock the LDS church. It's God's true church. We will soon be living polygamy again when Mitt Romney is president. He will make polygamy legal in the USA. Then we can go back to living the fully restored gospel of Jesus Christ. You people will have to pay for your lies about us. I am in the bishopric and we think the Lord will be returning soon and you people will be made to pay for your tall tales about the prophet Joseph Smith. He was God's chosen vessel to restore the true gospel of Christ. He did not want Negroes in the church then, but the prophet misunderstood, so Brigham had to straighten that out. Adam is our God through the stories of Brigham and all is well in Zion. Well, I thought this was quite a colorful little email, and I did write him back, and I told him that we love emails like his because then we can read them on the air to prove how silly some of our viewers can actually be. And this letter certainly proves our point. The phrase, all is well in Zion, is interesting that he would use that because it's from the Book of Mormon, and it's from a passage that informs its readers that the devil is deceiving them. You ought to know your own books better than that, to quote that uh, to us. But we'll just consider the source and continue to pray for you. Jesus Christ is Lord of all, and that's what counts. So that's just a, a sampling of some of the emails that we get. We do have a call coming in now from uh, Dan in Ogden on line one. Hello, Dan. Hi. I just had a, a question, um, not defending polygamy by any means, but in the census, uh, you, you quoted that there were more men than, than females, and then you went to how Brigham Young's wife uh, said that polygamy was rampant in, in Utah. Mm -hmm. And I was just wondering how to reconcile those statistics. If, if there were fewer females but polygamy was rampant, it um, seems to almost contradict. Well, it, it does when you look at it like that. But the reason they said that they had to, they 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 were forced to practice polygamy because there were so many more females that in order to, for them to get married, the men had to take multiple wives. That is not the reason for polygamy, and that's what the myths were all about. If there were more females here, and there were a lot of unmarried males, by the way because polygamy and, and arithmetic just will never be friendly with each other because there's never going to be enough women to supply polygamy for all the males. So there were a lot of unmarried males. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Okay. I hope that answers your question. All right. Ben in American Fork. Hello, Ben. Hello. Is this Ben? 
No, this no, this is Diane. I'm sorry, I hit the wrong button. Diane in West Valley. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Diane, you're on the air. I'm on the air, honey. Yes, uh-huh. I'm on the air. You're on the air right as you speak. Okay. Hi, Doris. Hi, Diane. I love you, sweetheart. Oh, thank you. What's your question? Uh, listen, I called about three weeks ago, and I'm in really poor health. And they found out that I may not live very much longer. But through calling you and through Jesus, you found me the best friends I could ever have. Della and her husband Tuttle in Holiday, and they called me, and they are trying to help me out and take me to church when I can go. Mm -hmm, good. And they stay in touch with me. They send a beautiful card to me and everything, and they call me, and it's just lifted me so good. much, my spirit, and more in my faith in Jesus, and... I just love you so much, and you're doing such a great job, and don't you ever let anybody put you down, and I'll never let anybody put you down either, my sweetheart. Well, thank you. I love you. you, honey. Thank you, Diane. I appreciate your phone call. Thanks for calling. And I love you. Thank you. Jesus loves us all, and I'm grateful that he has made it possible for you to get the help you need. Thank you. Uh-huh. Good night. Thank you. Good night. And thank you. The people that have called to me that have been directed to me, Tuttle's, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank them, too, because Jesus will watch over them and bless them, too. That's right. Okay, Love thanks for calling, too. Diane. Uh-huh, good night. Good night, thank you. Diane had called the show, oh, several weeks ago. Um, I don't know exactly how long ago, and... And she had talked about some of what she went through, too, when she left the Mormon church. And um, after the show, a couple of people contacted me and said that they would be happy to reach out to Diane and help her. And so we got them together, and uh, that's what Diane was calling for tonight. So we are grateful to everybody who does hear the hearts cry and will reach out and help their neighbor in need. Okay, now we have Ben calling from American Fork. But he's not there. Okay. That was supposed to be line three. Ben from American Fork. Maybe he decided that I <laughs> hit the wrong button to begin with. Um, we have some calls here waiting, but they're not ready yet. So I'll, I'll read another email uh, that we received from uh, Mr. Anderson. He said, I'm writing this letter, Doris, to you to thank you for what you're doing and the message that you deliver. As an ex-Mormon, I especially appreciate your show's insight on early Mormonism and the abhorrent practice of polygamy. As a Mormon, I had questions like you address on your show for many years and had found no answers from anyone of note in the church or family members. I personally found every answer to every question in the New Testament of the Bible, not the Bible I got from my local Mormon church or the nearest Deseret bookstore, but a real version of the Bible I obtained from a Christian friend which he got from his pastor. Mormons believe that the Book of Mormon trumps the Bible, so therefore the Bible is of little importance. Because of this, the Mormon Church has misled their people through the Book of Mormon.
I am here to bear my testimony, as the Mormons would say, that I know that the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine and Covenants, the Pearl of Great Price were written by a false prophet. No prophet of biblical times ever lied to their followers, and Jesus Christ did not lie to his followers or to us. Besides the polygamy timeline you did on your show, there are many accounts of Joseph Smith, Brigham Young, and others lying and boasting and cheating and giving false prophecies as leaders of the Mormon church. No prophet of God would do such things. In fact, those that did those things according to the Bible are false prophets. Yet LDS people turn a blind eye to the truth and are deaf to the word. The truth is that the LDS people have been lied to from the beginning. LDS children that are born into the church hear the lies every day of their lives and in a sense don't know any better and do not question. The church has a complex system of lies they have developed over the years to keep the truth from their members, even to the point that they threaten any member that has questions with the loss of their wife and kids. I have a relative who has been told by her bishop that if her husband keeps questioning to divorce him and take his kids, what kind of church would recommend this? Not one that believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, that's for sure. Finally, Doris, do not listen to your callers that call you a crazy old lady or an ignorant witch. These people do not have the Lord in their lives as we do. Also, I have yet to see any angry Mormon or any other Mormon for that matter have a legitimate argument on your show. They always have the same argument every time. The three kingdoms of heaven, baptism for the dead, the polygamy of Abraham, which can all be proven wrong if they would read the real Bible. So keep on what you're doing, Doris. Keep telling the truth. That is God's word. Thank you. And I would like to thank this writer and this viewer. And we do continue to exhort our viewers to check out your own history. This goes for polygamists too. It all goes back to Joseph Smith. Question every doctrine that your leaders tell you. Every general authority. Ask for financial accounting and total and complete transparent accountability in every single area of uh, church-making decision and activity. We challenge polygamy groups to do the same. Open up your financial statements, your accounts, your payouts, and your income. Force your leadership to be accountable to you, the membership, and let's see how far you'll get. And when they refuse, then that's the time for you to run. All right, now it looks like we have Ben on American from American Fork calling back. Hello, Ben. Hi, Doris. Yes, you're on the you, air, Ben. Have you got me now? I've got you now, <laughs> yes. Okay, I've been trying to get through. Uh, well, I just want to say that uh, more or less uh, your message has been a long time coming, and, and it's very welcome. Uh, I was uh, <clears throat> a believer for the better part of 60 years. Uh, somewhat questionable all along, you know, through my life, but generally didn't didn't take the time to look the other way, kept the blinders on, this, that, and the other, and I just want to give you a vote of confidence and my moral support. And Thank you. Thank you for your uh, good efforts, and at least there's one honest person in the world, and that's, <laughs> it's nobody else, that's you. <laughs> oh, there's plenty, I'm telling you. There's plenty, and God just gives us the opportunity to do this, and we're grateful to Him for that opportunity and for people that encourage us along I'll, the way. Uh, I'll uh, let you take another call now, then. I just wanted you to know that uh, okay, I'm behind man. your efforts all the way. Thank you very much. You bet. <laughs> Good night. Okay, well, that's nice. Uh, 
We have line one, Beatrice calling from Midvale. Hello, Beatrice. Yes. You're on the air. Uh, hello. Hello, you're on the air. All right. What's your question or your comment? Okay, I have a question. Where does it say on the Bible that there's no marriages in heaven? Where does it say there's no marriages in heaven? Uh-huh. I believe it's Matthew 19 where Jesus said that the, the, uh, the, the ch people will not be married or be given in marriage in heaven. All right. So that means there will be no marriages there and there will be no weddings there either. Oh, okay. That's all I needed to know. Well, yeah. And then we wish, we wish this culture would listen to what Jesus taught. <laughs> Exactly. All right. That's all I wanted to know. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Have a good night. Mm -hmm. Good night. We got an email, or well, it wasn't a mail. I received it, a letter in the mail from a viewer in, um, I think this is from Spokane. And he, it, it was a, um, a letter to the editor that he thought he would share. And it says, I'm a mainstream Mormon. Thomas S. Monson is the president of my church, headquartered in Salt Lake City, yet I am a polygamist with the blessing of the First Presidency of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I married my first wife in the temple. I married my second wife in the temple while still married to my first wife. I was divorced on earth, but not in the next life. My second wife has asked the church to cancel my first wife's marriage to me, but they say it isn't necessary because my first wife needs the blessing of the husband. They say I can have two wives. My second wife asked why her marriage to her first wife's husband was canceled by the church, but mine wasn't. She was told that only men could have more than one spouse in the church. In heaven, I will have two wives, maybe more if I'm worthy. Mormon men know they will have more than one wife in the celestial kingdom. It is doctrinal. Why does the church distance itself from polygamy? Why do they say they don't teach it or believe it anymore? Polygamy started with Joseph Smith and is going strong under Thomas S. Monson. I wish the church would be honest. That's what we wish as well. We just wish for honesty. You know, people make mistakes. Humans are humans and they will make mistakes. But instead of being honest about it and coming up with, with the truth, they'll just cover it up. Or they'll make up stories along the way, just like the show last week where we dealt with the, the black racial issues. They, they called it folklore. They don't, they're not honest with their teachings, and that's all we want you to do is be honest. Come up, renounce your bad teachings, renounce your bad doctrines, and, and come alongside with the truth, and open up your Bible and start teaching and preaching from it instead of from the spurious documents of um, the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine and Covenants, and the Pearl of Great Price. The, the documents that have absolutely no historical proof, documents that have no archaeological proof. The Bible has, has so much proof, archaeological and spiritual and historical, and yet you reject that and put that on your back shelf and have to blow the dust off of it to open it up and read it, but you will depend upon other documents that have no proof whatsoever. God does not expect blind faith. He expects us to have faith in the evidence of the things that he has shown us and told us, and that's what we want you to do. We want to thank you all for watching tonight. Next week, we are going to have Jamie Honbaum as our guest, and we're going to talk about Heavenly Mother. It's a doctrine that is very rarely talked about, but it definitely is a doctrine. Psalm 119 verse 30 says, I have chosen the way of truth. 
Now, all of us must make a choice which has eternal consequences. We can choose the way of truth or we can choose any other way. Satan's job is to make any other way look better than the way of truth. Satan deceived Eve with the beautiful lies that he told her in the Garden of Eden, causing the human race to fall into sin. Satan's most effective deception is religion. He doesn't walk around carrying a pitchfork and wearing a red suit. He roams the earth seeking someone to devour with his lies. The devil uses the deception that religious good works and feel-good spiritual experiences is affirmation of true religion. The devil uses anything that will take our reliance off God's only way of celestial, of celestial glory and eternal life so that we will rely on our own good works instead of on God and what he's provided for our salvation. But Jesus alone is the, the way and the truth. If we want the truth, we need to look to Jesus and to nothing or no one else. Truth invites investigation. It endures all and any investigation. It will stand up to any and every test. If you think you have spiritual truths, truths that will affect your eternity, shouldn't they be investigated and put to every single test? It's the only way you can be sure it's truth. If Jesus is the way and the truth, then your religion isn't. His death for our sins and the cross of Calvary and his resurrection proves that his way is the only way. King David said, I've chosen the way of truth. And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. We can't come to the Father anyway except through Jesus. So choose him, choose him alone. Any other way is eternal outer darkness. Good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.